This is Joltron, and you are listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast. The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast. I think I've got a good one for you this week. I've got Luis Garcia joining me on the show. Luis has been influential in my career at a lot of different points, and you know, even up to modern day. Uh, when we were on BME together, he was really influential in the way that I developed my surface piercing technique and my ear piercing technique for projects. Uh, he's always got these really clean lines. He can pull off this really technical, amazing stuff, and he's just got a great eye for art. And, and flow with people's anatomy. So it's really fun talking with Luis. He's a very sassy individual, so you should enjoy it quite a bit. Tomorrow, I'm actually on my way to Sao Paulo to uh, teach at a conference with Luis and Jeff Saunders, a few of my other friends. Uh, I'm going to be trying to get some interviews on site. I got my little Zoom H1 recorder, so hopefully I can get something good captured for you. I'll actually be there on my birthday, too, on Sunday. I don't know if anyone's aware of this, and I don't know if I necessarily want to make them aware of it, because... Uh, when we were all hanging out at the LBP conference in Mexico, I did find it a little bit difficult to keep up with some of the party people. Uh, I am definitely not uh, party master, so the uh, the Tragus crew, I am coming for you, and I just hope I can keep up. So let's just uh, jump right into it with this week's guest, Luis Garcia. We're here at the uh, 22nd Annual Association of Professional Piercers Conference, and I'm here chatting with Luis Garcia. Say hi, Luis. Hi, Luis. Hi, Luis. <laughs> hi, I'm Luis Garcia. I've been piercing for way too long, 29 years almost, Jeez. and uh, yeah, I'm freaking ancient. Uh, I currently pierce in Philadelphia at Nokaoi Tiki Tattoo and Piercing. I've been there for 15 years um, and don't plan on going anywhere. Uh, I've been a member of the Association of Professional Piercers since 1999. I'm currently on the board of directors with Mr. Ouellette over here uh, for the current board term, and I've served before like a sucker. Um, I like to pierce stuff. I like surface piercings and ear projects. I'm told I'm good at that stuff. Yeah, you're okay, um, I guess. I'm really good at being sassy and, uh, and at being a bitch. <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned that you were on the, the board before versus now. It, it seems like it's such a huge dynamic between, like, even 10 years ago with the APP and oh, what the APP is now. Massively, yeah. Uh, it's a huge difference. So if I... If, First, if I'm honest, the the last board that I was in was a bit of a tragedy. Only three of us were left at the end of it. It was quite tumultuous, and my uh, board term, the 2005 to 2008, uh, is the reason we are in the way that it's all done now, is to avoid that again. So I was apprehensive coming back into it again, but after now, well, we've been a solid year that we're officially on. So uh, I feel definitely, I mean, I feel great. I, I think it's all about the way we all work with each other and while we might not always agree um, I we really haven't had any issues like solving those issues for the most part um, I mean things haven't even really gotten that spicy ever so I think it's just a question of the way that it's set up now we can avoid the issues that we had um, and other people having to pick up the slack of the others and I think we're all just we all just get along better also I mean that was 10 years ago like I was I was like just 
about to hit my 30s. It's like a big difference in mentality, I feel, yeah. from there. I mean, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm more of a team player in general than I was back then. Um, I'm a little calmer. So, and I think all of us are in that that realm yeah. of, of, of age, and we all got along pretty well and did stuff. Like, Jeff and I have taught before, and we've all, Cody and I have taught before, so it was kind of all, we meld well together. Yeah. It seems like now, too, the APP has so many additional, like, cogs in that machine yes, we have, that the, uh, the work is, is shared across yeah, more hands. There's, there were no committees back then. There was nothing. It was pretty much all on the board and maybe, like, a few other people that would help. Yeah. So that definitely makes it a lot easier with all the committees and all the volunteers throughout the year. Obviously, not just a conference. It just uh, it makes it a lot easier. So it's not, mm-hmm. as, it's not as daunting. Uh, a lot of people do tend to forget that we're all just volunteers. We, yeah. we, 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 we decided to do this, so we all have lives, we all have businesses, we all have stuff going on, so it's not like we can dedicate 100% of our time to mm-hmm. this. That's, the, that's why the committees and stuff were made. It makes it much easier. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier, and you said that you had a few people walk up to you and you know, uh, give you the, oh, you're, you're fantastic, you're Luis Garcia, and, and you had some, some criers. Uh, How does that make you feel when you get that kind of reaction from so, people? In one sense, it, it, it's it's nice to be respected, and it, and it's nice. It's like an adoration, and it, I, I'd be a liar if I didn't say it was nice. But at the same time, it, this is exactly what exactly what I tell everyone. And while it's jokey, I'm just an asshole that pierces dicks, just mm-hmm. like everybody else here. And I get it. I've been doing this for a long time, and it's just because I've kept doing it and try and keep myself up to the standards that I want to keep, which is usually the technique side of stuff. So uh, while, okay, yes, do I do, do I understand it? Sure. Do I deserve it in some sense? Sure. But in the end, like, I'm just a guy and I just, I do this because it's what I love and it's what I'm passionate about, not for uh, the like, the like, even though I do like all the Instagram shares and likes and all that social media stuff, it is fun. Um, I do, I'm still passionate about it. I still love piercing I still love to pierce the act of it you know the aesthetics of it the look of it like I don't I don't own my own studio I work for someone else I don't want to own my own studio I don't want to be like some friends of mine and no disrespect to them like that's their thing they want to be the owner and not have to pierce I still love to pierce I I want to keep piercing until my fingers don't work anymore from arthritis or I go blind I just still really love that Um, I like to teach too and that's why I know I'm getting older so I'm doing my seminars I mean I teach here but I do my own seminars as well on the side uh so that's the kind of the route that I like to go because I also just really do love the teaching aspect of it because I like to see things connect in people's heads and that's what I've always liked about teaching is when someone hits me up later and they're like, you know, I, I tried what you were talking about and it worked really well and now I get it and that's the part that I like, seeing it connect in people's heads. Yeah, yeah. When you when you form a class, like how do you, how do you approach it? Do you approach it as like, what would I want to learn if I were taking class or do you see like, you know, okay, this is a, a deficiency in the industry and maybe this is something that I that I see the overall industry lacking, so I want to fill that, that gap? Or how do you form your classes? Depends. So I generally prefer to teach about something that I really, really like and am passionate about. That's why you don't see me teaching aftercare. It's not that aftercare is bad. That's just not my realm. I really yeah. like the breaking down the techniques and the aesthetics and the marking. I like that stuff because I, I find that a lot of people do need work on that and I want to, you know, share what I've got. So, you know, that's how the surface piercing stuff and the ear piercing stuff started. But it depends. Sometimes, like, if I'm honest, the earlobe class that I did, that was pretty much something someone had suggested 
but they didn't have a teacher for it. I was like, I can do that. And, yeah. and, uh, and I went with it and it turned out really well just because, yeah, I mean, granted it's an earlobe, but it's still ears and there, there are nuances to it that a lot of people don't think about. And I honestly didn't, I didn't think we'd get as many people as we did. We, we got a good several hundred people. Mm. Uh, and it's good to see that just so they could, and so for them to understand that even something as simple seeming as an earlobe can be difficult if you're not paying attention to the right things. But other than that, like sometimes it'll be like, okay, well, this needs to be talked about. Um, why I did the, when I did the two year classes that we did one, one year, one, the other, even though they were meant to be a duology, uh, the year beauty and simplicity I started with because it was during the doth explosion, mm -hmm. the doth heart explosion era. And I just got tired of seeing shallow shitty doths and it's just like, all right guys, let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. And then, I mean, while you could build a class solely around doth piercing, I, I like to have as much information as possible, and yeah. I'm told I break things down in a simple way that's easy to understand, so that's why I went for like all the simpler piercings, because they're similar in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, and then the ear project thing I did, um, one, because I really like ear projects, two, because again, I was seeing pictures in the days of the Eurogeddon competitions, uh, which I won in 2012, by the way, <laughs> and just seeing stuff, and it's like, understand what you can do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I haven't been caught in this. That's why I do things the way that I do now, because I've made plenty of oopses over the time. And looking at these pictures, and I'm like, not only did you, not only did you look at that and think, well done, but you thought it was good enough to win a competition. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, if people are going to be doing this, let me try and break it down, break down how I do it, mm. and talk about the problems I had and how to avoid them, just to get people... You know, I'm not saying I want there to be piercers everywhere doing everything perfect, um, but I want more piercers to do things well yeah. and, and to think about the um, the smaller things that people do, tend to overlook. I've I've heard kind of a, a f feedback over the last few years where people verbally say I would like more advanced content at conference, more advanced content, but I, I then I see people having the highest praise for the simplicity classes, mm -hmm. uh, talking about fundamentals and talking about you know something like an earlobe class or an or, or naval or class. Jeff's, Jeff and I's naval class. Yeah. Um, because they for, I think they forget about the smaller like nuances in what these supposed simple piercings are. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a navel. A lot of people think it's simple because everyone and their mother wants it. They yeah. all want belly piercings, and we've all been doing them for forever. But navels can be pretty tricky if you don't know what to look for. At least pretty tricky to get um, to do in a healable way. Mm -hmm. So I think they forget about that. At the same time, too, if we look at the numbers that we're getting at conference now, we have a lot of new attendees. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the newer attendees, the younger piercers that appreciate this. I had a... Uh, a piercer come up to me today after the naval class and it's like you know that's exactly what I needed I think they've been piercing for like maybe four or five years and it's exactly what I needed I was having trouble not happy with my navels and the, the marking you guys showed just I, I'm really stoked on that I want to go home and try it yeah so I think it's just we have a lot of younger newer attendees and I understand what people are saying when they want more advanced stuff I agree to a certain point but we always have to make sure it's never going to be a conference of all crazy ear witchery and mm -hmm. crazy stuff we have to keep the simple and basics there because we as an organization are growing we for the second year in a row, we have more than 100 new members. 
there's always going to be people at the more introductory levels. Yeah. And that's a good thing. We need new blood, and they need these classes too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes old heads need refreshing and reminding that, you know, stuff has changed and maybe there's a slightly better technique, even old, old crumb bums like me. Well, every year when I teach, you know, even if it's what I would consider kind of basic information, you know, the, the safe practices workshops and things like that, um, every year I'll still get people in the class who've been piercing for five or ten or more years, and, you know, I'll, I'll say something about, you know, a disinfectant or a soap or gloves or something like that, and they'll kind of nod their head like, oh yeah, I never really thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. So it's like everybody still needs that fundamental information. I agree, 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that should always be available. You know, maybe some, you know, as we continue to grow over the next several decades, there'll be, you know, uh, people, they can have like a big enough conference to have enough for everyone, mm -hmm. you know? We're just, we're still growing, we're still new, it seems. To those of us, and we feel old, and we've been doing this for a while, we're still a relatively new industry, and a small one in a yeah. lot of ways. You know, Yeah, there's growth, but we're still small potatoes in that sense, so it's going to take time to grow to that point where we can have all of the things that all the people want. Yeah, yeah. With the board of directors, you are the, the international liaison right now. Correct. Talk a little bit about, it seems like the explosion of all the different international groups that have been popping about. You know, you have... Yeah. The UK group, you have uh, LBP, you have the the new conference in Brazil. Uh -huh. It seems like they're just there's popping a, up there's everywhere. There's a ton of stuff. Um, let's see. Within the last, uh, we have the LBP would have been, I think, one of the first ones that really came and solidified itself. Um, and it's, I'd say, it's been one of the most successful ones. Mm -hmm. uh, the LBP is the Latino American Body Piercing Association, meant for Latin America, uh, mostly Spanish speakers, but obviously Brazilian as well. Um, and Spain counts too because they're at least Hispanic, but. Uh, that's an off kind of started as an offshoot of the APP. And during my board term, one of the great things that came about uh, because of Alicia Cardenas and uh, Danny Erna, uh, who was uh, uh, the international liaison after me, they uh, started doing APP Mexico conferences mm -hmm. to help educate them down there because they realized there was a need. And uh, eventually, the people involved decided we're going to make our own nonprofit down there, geared specifically towards uh, the Latino American community, piercing community. And it's been great. It's amazing. Every time, I mean, you've been to the conference, obviously, and uh, every time I go down there, it just it's mind-boggling and it makes me feel so proud that they've worked so hard to get where they've at. And yeah, they've it's, so it's a great organization. I mean, they have this, this really fantastic energy. Yep. It seems really communal and Very much um, so. it, no egos that, that I noticed at all. Everybody really? just wants everybody to get better. Very little egos. Yeah. Um, it, it's, 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 it was really nice and really refreshing in the difference of it. There's definitely, not that, don't get me wrong, I, I love ABP conference and everything like that, but because it's still so, so, so much smaller yeah. um, and because they do it in a, in a more rural location where it's not like you have all these options to go out anywhere. You have that one bodega mm -hmm. that we go to to get sodas and snacks and that's pretty much it. Oh, and then we go and get the uh, tacos, tacos and go yeah. see our, 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 yeah. our stray dogs. But you know, it, 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 it's just a nice vibe and it's really good to see what they've done. Uh, then we have the Germans created the VPP, mm -hmm. um, so they have their organization. They're at about two years, um, and they're you know growing. They've had an influx, a little bit of members. The UK APP, they're entering their this will be their third conference that they're doing this yep. year, right? Yep. Um, and they're doing. I mean, I would say they, what I've seen them do in just the year from the conference last year has been amazing. Yeah. Their ideas and their concept for how to grow and evolve their standards. They're being smart about mm -hmm. it. 
and, and it's just amazing to see how, and, but it took, the reason why it's happening, and I think the reason why all these organizations are happening is because of the people trying to start them. Yeah. They're starting trying to start them for the right reasons. Yeah. It's not about being a rock star, or being yeah. a name, or being it's a not, president. It's not advertisement for their own business. It's, yeah. they believe in the cause of it, and I think that's what makes the difference, mm -hmm. you know, and especially with, with both the LBP and the UK APP, I mean, those, those guys have worked there butts off and yeah. it's been it's been an amazing thing to see even just to see the difference you went to their first little meetup mm -hmm. um and then last year you know was a, i would say a good amount of people for something you know how much it grew yeah um and then what i think four of us went to teach and then they had matt lauder that did the history thing mm -hmm. correct yep and aiden did aiden do his medals thing there i don't think aiden did his medals thing okay. last there. year so to go from that, and then now there's a bigger expansion. They yeah. have more people instructing because yep. Pinchy's going to teach mm -hmm. too. Then they have all these people teaching different classes of, and I think Marie was talking about wanting to get into that too. Yeah, and, and it's great to see. And that was mm -hmm. that was what when I did talk to them last year, um, and when they initially approached me about going this year, which it turns out I could have gone, um, but whatever. Now it doesn't matter because um, I have a wedding I'm a groomsman in. I was like, well, we need, we should get more, like, talk to your instructors. We can pair up. We can talk about how we teach yeah. and how to evolve it just so they can. I'll always be love to go and teach, but mm -hmm. it's better to have more local people I've noticed. That way. I've noticed kind of a, a pushback, mostly at BMX. I've noticed kind of a pushback there where every year it's, it's you know, it's a bunch of U.S. APP instructors going over and teaching, and mm -hmm. some of the, the local attendees there kind of wish that it was more... more yeah, local instructors. So I think that's what UK APP is really doing right. To do. and that, exactly. Yeah. And I think I, yeah. I applaud them for it, and it's a great thing to see. And just like with the way they did their membership and the way that they're going to slowly, they have a 10-year plan mm -hmm. to slowly raise their standards. They're completely transparent That's really smart plan. the way they're doing it, too, because exactly. they're not trying to intimidate people by saying, okay, you know, between now and next week, you need to completely change up your game. Exactly. They're kind of slowly transitioning people into it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's that's like a really amazing idea, um, and it's good that they had the foresight to do that. Yeah. Um, but even um, we've got Spain, um, uh, Gladix, and Sala, and and Jose Carlos. They're all uh, getting together and trying to actually start an equivalent organization. They're actually mm -hmm. about to. They're waiting on the paperwork to, to be an official nonprofit. They're waiting to get their their number from the government. So, yeah. um, and that's just starting. They actually want to start a push towards it and they're all you know all three of them you know they've been coming to conference they've done a ton of stuff uh especially both sala and jose carlos it's just they're doing great work and it, it's just tougher you know you look at when you think about countries you know the united states is huge in comparison to european countries they're yeah. much smaller they might have closer populations though i don't think so necessarily but you know, it, it can be difficult because you have less people to pull from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a much smaller demographic. Um, but they just did, I think it was their second meetup kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but they're looking to make it more of a conference. And then yep. we have the Brazilian thing that's coming up next month. And that's also their second conference. But this time they're really trying to gear up to do a Brazilian equivalent. Because mm -hmm. even though Brazil is in Latin America, um, I mean, even speaking from experience, I mean, Portuguese is very difficult. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a... I'm, my first language is Spanish. I learned English from Sesame Street. Um, now, granted, I'm Cuban, so my Spanish is pretty terrible because, you know, sorry, um, but I can say this as a Cuban. We speak pretty terrible Spanish because we talk too fast and forget the consonants at the end of words. But I can understand Italian easier than I can understand Portuguese. So that's yeah. been the difficulty at LBP. You have all these people going there that they kind of understand Spanish. They maybe understand a little bit of English, mm -hmm. um, but they don't, you know, the, the, the classes really weren't offered in Portuguese, so this yeah. is something that they're trying to do to address that, and they can always translate us mm -hmm. 
into uh, Portuguese, but I've tried. I'm still trying, and we're going next month, and I'm just like, I can say obrigado, yeah. which is like, thank you. I, I think it's like, thank you, or, or much respect. Well, that's, See, that's one more word is. that I can speak in Portuguese. I'm so that's the thing, you know, it's it's definitely, and it's good that they're addressing these things so they can get, because Brazil is a huge country. Yeah. It's yeah. like the biggest country in South America, and mm-hmm. then, you know, obviously Portugal too, so that's two languages or two countries with that language. So it's a good idea to do. I think it definitely, that's why so many Spaniards like to go to LBP, Mm -hmm. even though it's so far. It's because it's done in their language. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know, I've seen people take my classes here, and the same people take my class at LBP, and when I teach it in Spanish, I see that connection happen in their head where it's much harder to understand when it's not in your native language. Right, yeah, I so, bet. And yeah. that's that's one of the reasons why I like teaching in Spanish is to, to provide that aspect of it for Latin Americans so they can hopefully understand it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel kind of spoiled living in the States because we, you know, we have the APP conference. It's reasonably easy for me to get here. Yes. Uh, You know, I get to come here every year and I've been coming for, you know, 15 years or so. And then I see people who, you know, they have to struggle a little bit more to to fly all the way over to the States and take the class. And maybe it's not in their their first language. We just had to learn a little bit because we have to, we're both going to Brazil and we both just had to get visas, um, which pretty much is rare for U.S. citizens to do. Mm -hmm. Brazil actually does it. Yeah. Because the U.S. requires it, so Brazil yeah. requires it for U.S. people, which is fair. Um, but you have to jump through a fair amount of hoops. Um, but I've written, being the international liaison, I've written countless of letters for them to give to their uh, visa officials and passport officials. And even sometimes that doesn't work. An invitation doesn't work. It's very, it's very, very difficult for some people, depending on the country they are, for them to get a visa to come to this country. Mexico yeah. is actually pretty difficult for some people to get visas to come to this country because really? they just think people are going to want to stay. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah, I for for years, uh, Ana Paula from Quetzali, she could mm-hmm. not come. Russo would bring her jewelry and sell it because he had a visa and he was fine already. Um, but I think it was like four or five years she worked on trying to get a visa. They just wouldn't give her one. Hmm. Um, so it could be really difficult. You get the wrong official and they just don't like you and that could be as simple as that. Or they just, you know, try to make you th- jump through a bunch of hoops. And... You know, the other thing is, too, is like, and even though there's plenty of people here that come to, to APP that have to work hard, they have to save their money, the one thing that always struck me um, with LBP is that, and that people tend to forget here is just how much, how much more difficult it is for most of these Latin American countries. Yeah. Their economies, some of these, I mean, even with Sosa, like hearing him, he's from Venezuela, mm-hmm. owned a shop in Venezuela, but because of the unrest in his country, um, he showed me a video of the like, riots right across the street from a the studio. They're setting cars on fire. Hmm. That's what he he went to Mexico to make more money to send back to his family. Yeah, you know, and that's you don't hear about that because hmm. even the Mexican economy tends to be pretty low in comparison to us. So you forget that when you're here. And, yeah, and, and that reminded me that these people have to work so so much hard. And I mean, no disrespect to the people here. I'm not saying that people here don't work hard, but it's much more difficult for these people to it's much more difficult for these piercers to not only just do their job and support themselves but then to carry high quality jewelry yeah. internally threaded yeah. jewelry to pay all these taxes mm-hmm. and import fees if they can even get it yeah. you know what i mean so they just work so much harder and i think that's why lbp has the vibe that it has they are so they appreciate it because of mm-hmm. how hard they had to work yeah and uh i mean we have the situation not this past year, but the year before. Uh, I believe uh, someone from Ecuador, I think he was from Ecuador, he sold his shop. Yeah. Sold everything that he had to be able to afford to come, and he got turned away at the border. 
I remember uh, that. After having nothing, yeah. after and having nothing, and a bunch, uh, pretty much everyone together, they took up a collection and they were able to like get some money to give him to recoup because apparently the the officials also kept all of his money. Mm. And then this past year, the uh, woman who lost her purse and everyone took up a collection, um, or someone stole her purse. Something happened to her purse with all of her documents, her passport, and everything. And they took up a, collep- a collection, and not only did they get enough to pay for a taxi, since we're in the middle of nowhere, to the closest consulate to get her passport and visa and all that stuff checked out, they made her enough money for her to buy jewelry at the expo to take home because of all her money was gone. And that's what I really, it just, that was an amazing thing to see is this camaraderie, because they all have to work so much harder to get there. You yeah. know, we forget that, I think, in the positions that we're at. Um, you know, I, I make decent money. You mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, we do well. We've been doing it for a while, and I'm not saying we don't deserve it, but I think we forget what it was like to be We can kind of take harder. it for granted. Yeah. We can take it for granted. And Traveling around and, and talking to different people in, in different countries and, and realizing that, you know, you, you can talk until you're blue in the face in the States and be like, oh, you know, uh, internal thread jewelry and gold and this and that and, you know, $80 piercings, $100 piercings. And then you talk to people from other countries and they're like, yeah. uh, I'd be lucky if I can get $10 for a piercing. Exactly. And, and that's high end in my market. Exactly. And, yeah. it, and it's it's like looking at it objectively. If there's one thing I learned my first time being the international liaison, I get I get I used to get questions all the time, you know, well, why with international? Why are you OK? letting these people use externally shredded jewelry mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And it's not necessarily that I'm okay, but I understand and I'm empathetic to their situation. Um, and it wasn't until you had, like for South America, you had uh, Mauricio uh, Banana make uh, biometal, mm-hmm. uh, biometal, and you know, it's funny because I, you know, I've seen their evolution and I've seen their growth. And then some, because of, you know, they would go in the forums and talk about it just to get opinions on stuff. Yeah. Because they tr- trust the opinions of Pierce of the United States since it's where most of their stuff is coming, most of their info is coming from. Mm-hmm. People here ordered it, ordered, got samples of it, or they wanted samples, or they ordered some, and they're all like, oh, well, this and this and that and that. And I, I just, I remember getting mad and actually going on the thread and saying, listen, like, I get what you're saying, but yeah. what you don't understand is what this is made for. Yeah. This wasn't made for you I mm-hmm. literally I think I literally typed this wasn't fucking made for you asshole you can order from all the top of the line companies yeah. and yeah. you do because I know why did you even order this mm-hmm. this is meant so people have a good implant grade internally yeah. threaded option you have to South look at America. it with the right perspective exactly. and, and realize like okay this jewelry in this market is a huge deal yes. that it's a, a good quality material and, and beyond that like just having seen where it started and where it's at now yeah. the improvement in the quality and the mm-hmm. craftsmanship is insane and yeah. it's so great to see um, and it's just a case of people like to, like to poo poo on people mm-hmm. and feeling superior yeah. so it, it's just it's just a different environment and, I, and traveling around and and seeing this is what helps wake you up to mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? And, th- and that's why I think it's it, the good aspect of traveling internationally and de- dealing with all these things. And even even going to Europe where, I mean, Europe in general is, is considered, you know, a, really really high up and, and there are first world countries mm-hmm. but even then they still have like trouble like you know in the UK and stuff like that they still have trouble it, they still have to get jewelry from here and import yeah. and pay all this stuff yeah. they've got the VAT tax for the European Union yeah it can be pretty outrageous for, for anybody exactly. listening uh, if you import jewelry from the United States into uh, the UK you have to pay about 20% uh, addition uh, value added tax to, yeah. to get it into the country so yeah. it gets it gets pretty expensive and 20% is a big chunk like yeah. if, you, if you think about think about credit card interest rates yeah. you know what I mean yeah. when you're like oh yeah credit card and it's like oh 23% mm-hmm. and you're like oh you know what I mean it, it's yeah. kind of like that but they have to do it all the time to mm-hmm. keep their business going so it's much more difficult yeah. you know that's how the distributors ended up happening but the distributors still end up having to pay the VAT in the end so they're still passing it off 
on their pricing. Yeah. So, and these are aspects that a lot of younger piercers don't understand or think about. Clients definitely don't really understand that. It's not really in their realm to understand, mm -hmm. though it's nice if they do. People forget that. They, 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 over, they don't see the bigger picture. And the reason why I've liked doing the, the I got, the international thing happened pretty much because, yo, Luis speaks Spanish. He can do international because yeah. we deal with mostly Spanish speakers in South America and Latin America. Um, and I ended up like, I really do like it. Uh, I, I like the networking that I did, the friends that I made, the peers that I got to meet, it, it definitely put things into perspective for me. And I still can, that's why I didn't mind, you know, pretty much being, not being forced, but like being picked to do it again. Yeah. Back then we got voted for into the, they voted specifically for the position. Now okay. the board as a board whole kind of decides, decides where your strengths best, are, which works way better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's the one thing I've really liked about international stuff. It, it, you get to see the bigger picture, and it's made me way more appreciative. Even just something as simple as, were you at the international meeting at all, or no? Not this year, no. We had the international meeting, and uh, Masa from uh, Japan mm -hmm. is talking about the situation that they're having where, for technically for years, uh, for a very long time, uh, tattoos and piercings have been illegal. Yeah. Um, but the government just really never cracked down onto it until some, uh, I believe he said it was in Nagoya, um, but there was also someone, uh, some issues in Osaka. Mm -hmm. um, they just decided to start cracking down yeah. and taking people down. It can really happen anywhere. Um, I, I just, I went to Tokyo just a few months ago and basically the, the, the problem is that it's technically illegal, but uh, they'll they'll let you operate a studio right out in, in public. But then, if for any reason you do something that they don't like, whether it's personal and professional, then they have the right to just come in and, and arrest and you, you and shut yeah. you down. And I believe yeah. the rule used to be, I mean, from the old BME days uh, when I used to chat with uh, Azo Mamiya, who used to own New, and I don't even know if he or that is still around in Tokyo, but uh, I remember him telling me like pretty much are not supposed to, you're supposed to, if you have clients, you're supposed to help them pierce themselves. You're not supposed to do it yourself. Really? Which that can, and, and yeah, that Masa was saying, yeah, pretty much that's how, that's how it's worded for it to work. Yeah. Um, which can end up very messy, quite frankly, mm -hmm. uh, easily. So they just pretended like they didn't, just kept on doing and no one really, you know, minded yeah. until recently. Yeah. So it, when you hear about something like that, it, it puts things into perspective because we don't, we have to deal with regulations and maybe something gets outlawed because someone posts a stupid video on YouTube and they don't know what they're doing and it scares health inspectors, but we don't really have to deal with an outright ban like that. Yeah. I mean, I think for some states, Oklahoma, oh, not Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma, 23rd Street. I mean, that tattooing was illegal up until, what, maybe five, six, seven years ago, mm -hmm. and then tattooing became legal. So, yeah, there have been some places where there were issues like that, but not on this kind of a scale, where yeah. it can really be a career-ending thing where yeah. you have no other way to make money. Yeah. It definitely, I mean, I know that would suck if all of a sudden they're like, nope, it's illegal, you can't pierce her. It's, it's especially, it's that it's the fact that it just kind of hangs over your head, like mm -hmm. it could be any day that they just walk in and shut you down. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, a lot of it stems, uh, the tattooing stuff at least stems from the old, from the Yakuza yeah. connection and stuff, where these days a lot of the youth... Um, over there, they don't even want that kind of style. Mm -hmm. They don't even want Japanese style. Yeah, they want American style. They want American and old school style yeah. and new school style. And, and it's just, you know, but when tourists go there, it was another thing that was brought up that hopefully they hope to change it since the next, I believe the next Olympic Games or one of the next Olympic Games are happening in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Um, or they're happening in Japan, all these foreigners, they're going to want to come experience things like Japanese baths and yeah. stuff where you're not allowed in with tattoos. Because it, even gyms, a be. lot of stuff, you, you're just, it, it's not, it's not welcome in public. You can even just get dirty, dirty looks being on a train if you have an For exposed sure. tattoo. You know, because they just make that Yakuza connection and they haven't 
chosen to accept that society's moved on and mm -hmm. that it's a different thing. So yeah. that's where that comes from, just for the people who might not have gotten, who might still be listening to this and aren't bored of me talking. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Uh, so you're doing your, your private seminars. Do you have any more coming up? Um, I'm trying to work on one for August because that's really the only month I have where I have the time to be able to do one. I don't have it set in stone. There's a couple of people I'm talking to here at conference trying to figure out which one would work best. Um, so no, nothing official, but I mean, if piercers are interested, always pay attention to my Instagram and my Facebook. I'll always post it on there because I do want you guys to know about it so you can come and learn stuff and take the seminar. Um, but yeah, I expect to be doing one probably around August uh, before, go, before I go to Adam and Shelby's wedding in September. So if people want to find you online, where do they find you on social media? What are your screen names? So uh, my Instagram is uh, at L-U-I-S-G uh, piercing. So Luis G piercing. Uh, my uh, Tumblr, if anyone still goes on Tumblr for things that aren't porn or cats, uh, it's luisgpiercing.tumblr.com. Uh, Facebook, Luis Garcia, it's a very common name, um, but you can look for me by my email. Um, so L-U-I-S-G at bodmod.net. And uh, that's pretty much, yeah, I don't Snapchat or do any of that, so that's by most of my social media stuff right there. Okay. Well, thanks for taking a couple minutes to, uh, to talk to me uh, sure. at this year's conference. All right. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Luis is always a, an interesting character to, uh, to hang out with. He's also a super nerd, uh, really likes Final Fantasy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, all kinds of video games. I know that we're buddies on PS4 and I see him on there all the time playing some nerd games and it's always kind of cool just to uh, kind of know that I'm not the only one. So I'm going to do a little bit out of the mailbag this week. Uh, got a quick one that says, Hey, is it true that nipple piercings keep your nipples hard or is that a myth? I have my nipples pierced and they still get soft and I'm wondering if that's normal or something's wrong. Totally normal. Um, nipple piercings can make your nipples a little bit more sensitive in the short term. Sometimes through healing you can get a little bit of swelling so it might feel a little bit harder, but they still have their, their complete normal functionality in, in most cases. Um, they can become erect, they can become uh, soft, and, and totally normal. Just, you know, day to day, it's not really going to make much of an impact on your nipple long term, barring any sort of um, scarring from a problem or something like that. So, uh, you know, women are still capable of breastfeeding. Um, the nipple can raise and flatten. Um, male nipples can become, uh, you know, a little bit perkier when they're cold, things like that. You have basically all your normal functionality with a nipple. So uh, nothing unusual about that one at all. So next, I'm not so much going to answer one question, but I'm going to kind of answer a group of questions uh, because I, I get really similar ones all the time. People asking about quote unquote keloids on their daith piercing, doth piercing, inner ear piercing. First thing, what you really want to know and understand is that most bumps on a body piercing are not keloids. Um, try not to use that as a catch-all term for any time you have some raised or irritated skin on a piercing. Keloids are a very specific kind of scar tissue. Um, they basically grow outside of the original wound area. They can be really significant and they can be really debilitating. When you have a little bump on a body piercing, that does not really meet the definition of a keloid. A keloid is something that needs to be diagnosed by a medical professional, dermatologist, doctor, nurse, something like that. When we're talking about body piercings, and you have these little lumps or bumps, that's all they are. They're just little bumps of scar tissue, basically. You can get this inflamed scar tissue, and it's not going crazy and growing into this marble-sized lump, which is um, what a, a keloid typically would do. 
So when you have these little bumps on a, a daith piercing, doth piercing, it's typically because a lot of those piercings are done with ring style jewelry these days. It's really popular to get all these different gold rings and all these different fancy things in them. And what can happen is basically that ring moves a little bit. You get some dried buildup on the ring or on the opening of the piercing. You know, with a little bit of the movement on that ring, it gets pulled in, it gets a little bit irritated, and you get a little bit of inflammation. You might get a little bit of scar tissue right at the openings of the piercing. That does not make it a keloid. It's just a little bump. That's really what most piercers will refer to it as, just a little bump. When you have these bumps on your piercing, one of the last things you want to do is go all crazy and aggressive and try to basically burn it away or force it away or just be like really mean to it. Do not crush aspirins into paste and uh, put the paste on your piercing. Do not try to put tea tree oil on it. Do not try to burn it off with alcohol or peroxide or ointments. All those things are going to be more damaging to the piercing and it will cause more irritation and your body will try to build up more scar tissue to protect itself. Going overboard on your aftercare is not going to help the problem. What you want to think about is what causes the problem and eliminate the cause. So when you have movement on a ring and you have dry discharge being pulled into it, just think, well, you know, you might maybe want to be a little bit more uh, thorough in how you clean off that dried buildup. You're not using your fingertip. You're not getting, you're not getting in there with your finger. Uh, a wet Q-tip is a really good way to, uh, to clean that stuff off very, very gently. You can soak a Q-tip with saline and just lightly wipe it off of the jewelry. That's all you're doing. You're not trying to be rough or scrub or pick or anything like that. And once you can start to eliminate the stress on the piercing, your body will naturally start to eliminate that scar tissue on its own. So I would say uh, the majority of daith piercings, doth piercings, however you want to pronounce that word, um, will get some sort of inflammation or irritation in the short term. It, it's really just kind of part and parcel to the healing process. Um, but it doesn't mean you're having a problem. It doesn't mean you have a keloid. Just be patient. You know, if you're two months in or three months in, keep, keep in mind that you're only halfway through the healing process. So you need to be patient. You can always go into your body piercer for a checkup. Uh, sometimes it can be other outside sources like, you know, bad jewelry that needs to be changed out, something like that. But most of the time, it's just part of the healing process. You can just be a little bit more thorough on how you're cleaning your piercing gently and you can get those bumps to go away on their own. But they really are not keloids. Um, try not to overdo it on uh, how you're taking care of these piercings, okay? So that's gonna be it for this week. I'm off to Brazil, and next week, I believe my guest will be Elaine Angel. So keep your ears open for that one, and I'll see you next time. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. <laughs>